This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So the person who thinks he knows a lot and he looks at the Bible and he says, Ah, yeah, I know the Bible. Or he looks at life and he says, ah, yeah, I know life. He's not a learner. He's not a student. He's not a learner. He's not a disciple. That's the first relationship that the Lord Jesus has laid out for his disciples and for us when he said in verse 24, the disciple or the learner is not above his master or his teacher. And the reason the Lord Jesus states as his first relationship is because this is first and foremost, there is no going anywhere unless this one is set right. It's the most important relationship. It's the relationship of the believer as the learner and the Lord Jesus as the teacher, the believer as the student. That's our identity. That's how we see ourselves. We are the learner. Color us learners. Color me a learner. The student and I, we learn from the Lord Jesus. Woe be to the believer who opens up his Bible and says, I already know that. I know that. I already memorized that. I can start the, you start the verse, I'll finish it. And then he yawns in a boredom and says, there doesn't appear to be anything new for me to learn. I already know. I've been a Christian for so long, and all this is for new Christians, for baby Christians. I'm a mature Christian. I'm about as old as the paint on this building. So when the Lord sees that kind of response to God's word, God says, I really can't help that person. I'm sorry, because he's failed in the first relationship, which is to be a learner and for me to be the teacher. So verse 24 helps us to see ourselves as learners and the Lord Jesus is our teacher. I love the hymn, and you do too. We come, O Christ, to thee. And one of the stanzas in that hymn says, thou art the living truth. All wisdom dwells in thee. So that statement about the Lord Jesus, it lays out so beautifully our relationship with him. We're students, we're needy, we need to be taught truth. We come to the Lord Jesus as the living truth, and as students, we see that all wisdom is in him. That's the first of the three vital relationships that the Lord has said that we must have with him. And if any person fails in that first relationship, he'll wash up 
wash up on the shore, uh, having lost the naval battle at sea with the powers of darkness. And Satan trembles when he sees a humble believer do what Mary did, the sister of Martha, in Luke 10, 39, where it says, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. This is the sister of Lazarus. And when her sister Martha asked the Lord to get after her for not getting up and helping with all the work that need to be done, the Lord Jesus responded to Martha, saying in Luke 10, 41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So what was that good part that Mary chose that was not going to be taken away from her? Mary chose the part of being a learner, a learner from the words of Jesus, and he said that he would not take that part of her being a learner away from her to make her a server. Learner is better than a server and that Martha wanted to be. He wouldn't take it away from her. That's the picture, learners, sitting at the feet, of Jehovah Jesus, uh, that's a picture of the saints, the learners at his feet, that Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy 33.3, yea, he loved the people, all his saints are in thy hand, and they sat down at thy feet, everyone shall receive of thy words. We are the student, he's the teacher, that's how he knows us. He knows us as his student just as a teacher knows the students. So there's Scott, he's a teacher. He knows every student that comes into his class. And if there's someone who comes into his class and he doesn't know them, Scott will know it. And so when there are those who come to the Lord Jesus with all their good works that they've done for him, and they say to him in Matthew 7, 23, and they say to him, Lord, didn't we do all these things? Then the Lord responds to them in Matthew 7, 23, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. When he says, I never knew you, that means I never knew you as one of my students. You're not part of my class. They didn't have that relationship of being one of his students, just like a student who's not a part of, of Scott's class or any class, and he sneaks in to the teacher's class and takes a seat in the back there, and as soon as the teacher sees him, the teacher, like Scott, would say, what are you doing here? You're not part of my class. And a true believer is a learner, and he learns from his instructor, the Lord Jesus, and he's part of the class that the Lord Jesus is the teacher. That's the first vital relationship that the Lord tells his disciples that they must keep themselves within. This is a sphere. Being in the class of Jesus is a sphere that they have to keep themselves in. As learners, they sit at the feet of Jesus and they eat his words like they eat bread when they're famished. And so he's saying, keep being a learner and you will rise up. Stop being a learner and you will fall. As it says in Proverbs 24, 16, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Why does the just man fall seven times and rise up again? Because he's a learner. And after each fall, he learns how to get up again. Why does the wicked fall and not get up again? He's not a learner. And after that one fall, he doesn't learn how to get up again. 
So this is the first preparation that the Lord Jesus is giving to his disciples to stand when he sends them out as sheep among the wolves. Be a learner. Learn from me. First and foremost relationship to keep. Don't become an old, crusty, know-it-all believer. That's like the closed clamshell that cannot be opened. Be like the child who's excited to learn something new from God. Be like a flower that opens when it feels the warm rays of the sun on it. Be like the flower that opens where your heart opens when it reads the warm truths of the Bible. First vital relationship, we know ourselves as learner, we know him as teacher. Now in verse 24, the Lord gives us the second vital relationship that must be kept, and he says in verse 24, the servant as his Lord. So in this relationship, in verse 24, we are called the servant, and he is called our Lord. The second relationship, the follower of the Lord Jesus must keep himself within the bounds of, within the sphere of, is where the believer is identified as the servant. The Greek word here used for servant, doulos, you're familiar with that, is the same word that's used for slave. It's the same word that's used for a person who does not have his freedom. He's called a bondman. And at that time, the time of the writing of the New Testament, there were two classes of persons. All people fit into one of two classes. They either had their freedom, they were a free man, or they did not have their freedom, they were a bondman. And if they were a bondman, then they were, for example, described in Ephesians 6, 8 and other places too. Ephesians 6, 8 says, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. The word there for bond is doulos. It's the word for slave. It's the word that he's used here in Matthew 10, 24. The Greek word for servant is the same as slave. Now, the Greek word for Lord here that he's used in Matthew 10, 24, it means supreme authority. It's used for God, and this is the relationship that where a servant is must keep himself, that a believer, rather, a believer must keep himself within this sphere, must keep himself within this realm of being a servant of the Lord of his Lord. Now, a servant is constantly looking toward his master, as Psalm 123, 2, Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon thee, our God, until he have mercy upon us. A servant is always looking. A servant is always thinking, not of himself, but of his master, and he's thinking about how he can serve or please his Lord. In this relationship of being a servant and the Lord Jesus our Lord, we have actually the example of the Lord Jesus himself because he was the supreme servant as God the Father introduced him in Isaiah 42.1. He said, behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. The greatest chapter, maybe in the Bible, but certainly in the Old Testament, is Isaiah chapter 53, the 53rd of Isaiah, the great chapter. You might think this is the perfect lamb who is sacrificed for our sins, Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53, God introduces, and he does it in the chapter before Isaiah 53, the few verses before the 53rd. Isaiah 52, 13 is the introduction of the Lord Jesus as the lamb of God, when it says, behold my servant, 
shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As a servant of the Lord, the Lord Jesus showed us by his own example how to live a life of a servant, how to live a life of a one who is dedicated to serving the Lord. And he described that in John 8, 29, when he said, he that has sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. That's the key. A servant is always thinking of how he can please his Lord, how he can make him happy. And this is the relationship that the Lord Jesus said characterizes his disciples, his followers. Again, if a person whose eyes were not on the Lord Jesus, did not have a view of how he could please him, was not thinking of that, if a person was not a servant of the Lord, and if that person somehow managed to slip into the group of the servants of the Lord and hoping that he would somehow get into heaven that way, go on the coattails of somebody else, the Lord would single out that person and ask him the same question that he said in the parable in Matthew 22, 11. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into the utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Lord would single out that person and say essentially the same thing he said to the others in Matthew 7, 23. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. In other words, the Lord would say to that person, I never knew you as one of my servants. I never saw in your life you as my servant. This is the second vital relationship that the Lord described for his, his followers, servant relationship. And having this relationship, having a relationship, staying within the sphere, within the realm, within the boundaries, within the limits of being a servant of the Lord Jesus is the whole basis for calling him Lord. Every time the Lord heard or hears someone call him Lord, you can imagine the Lord Jesus saying, really? Am I really his Lord? Let's see. And then he would ask that person to do something to see if he was really serious when he called him Lord. As a matter of fact, the Lord challenged his disciples at one point with a very searching question one day when he said to them in Luke 6:46, why call ye me Lord and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he's like. He is like a man which built a house on dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream vehemently upon that house could not shake it. It was founded on a rock. And he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation built his house upon the earth, against which the stream did build vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What's he saying here? What's he saying? He's saying He's saying that it makes no sense to call him Lord and not obey him. It makes no sense to call him Lord and not be his servant. That's the second vital relationship, the vital identity for how we should see ourselves in relationship with the Lord, his servant. And we should say, call me a servant of the Lord Jesus. To fail to be a servant of the Lord is, again, to wash up on the shore as another tried in his own strength, and failed. 
That's the second vital relationship, and it's known by this word servant. The first one was known by the word learner. Now we come to the third vital relationship. It's found in verse 25, where the Lord said, it's enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant of his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So this third vital relationship that we have here, the Lord Jesus, is found in the last four words of verse 25 of that verse. Them of his household. Verse 25, the Lord calls the disciples, the Lord calls us, them of his household, and he calls himself the master of the house. It's a wonderful thing to be called them of his household. To be a part of his household means to live with the Lord in his house. A person who is part of another person's household, when he comes there, he's not coming over to visit. That's where he lives. That's his house. And this is the relationship. This is the sphere. This is the realm. These are the boundaries. This is the limits of the relationship that must describe, that must define the disciples and us, his followers, to be them of his household. And a person who is a part of the them of his household, of verse 25, he says to that person, John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. The word abide means to dwell or live in, like we abide in our house, we abide in our homes. So when the Lord Jesus said, abide in me, he's saying, see yourselves them of his household. That means that we should see the Lord as our home. The Lord himself is our home, and that means he's saying to us, be at home in him. To abide in Christ means to be at home in the Lord Jesus, just like children are at home in their parents' home. It means that the children need to know what the rules of the house are, and they need to live by the rules of the house. In the same way, we need to know what the rules of the Lord's house are and to live by those rules. To abide in Christ means to live in a home and not be independent, but it means to depend on the father of the house, for example. In the same way, to abide in Christ means to not live a life that's independent of him, but to live a life that's dependent on him. To be at home in the Lord Jesus means for us to imitate the father of the house, the Lord Jesus. Before we received the Lord Jesus, when we were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, and when the Lord Jesus heard our despairing cry and he lifted us, when we received the Lord Jesus, we were not abiding in Christ. We were not living in him. But when we came to the Lord Jesus, he says to us, John 15, 4, a welcome of abide in me. That meant he invited us to uh, come to the Lord Jesus as our new home. We first come to the Lord Jesus. How do we come? As newly adopted sons with our adoption papers in hand when we show up. We come there, as it says in Galatians 4, 5, that you might receive the adoption of sons. So as newly adopted sons, we come to the Lord Jesus. He is our new home. We arrive, bags in our hands, Lord Jesus welcomes us with John 15, for it abide in me. And what he means to say by that is unpack your bags and make yourself at home. That we should make ourselves at home in Christ.
Someone might say, oh, no, but my home's in heaven. I'm waiting to unpack when I get to heaven. The reply is, you are at home now. Your new home is in Christ. Not in the world, it's in Christ, which is now. When you die, you'll both move to heaven. And then it'll be John 14, 2 through 3, my father's house. Our many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. We are at home in Christ because he said now, Hebrews 13, 5, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the principle of abiding in Christ. The John 14, 3 principle of abiding in Christ is, where I am, there ye may be also. That's the reason why the Lord now says to us in John 15, 4, abide in me. He's saying that because he is present with us so we can abide in him. So the first thing he wants to do, he wants to see us do, is unpack your bags and view Christ as your new home. Just like a home, we start our day in a home, we're at home, and then we leave home to go out and do whatever we got to do, work, errands, whatever, and at the end of the day, we return home. So it is with abiding in Christ, being at home in Christ. We take time in the morning for morning devotion time. We're at home with Christ. We go out in the world. We got to do what we got to do, and then we come back for a refreshing time again with Christ. Call it evening devotion, whatever you want to call it, quiet time. We're returning home. Now, sometimes in a home, there are rebellious kids that keep running away. They're runaways. They run away from home. And the Lord has some of those children too. They keep running away from him. They keep going off into the world. They forget God. He goes to go after them, bring them back home again, live in Christ again. And he has to say again to them, John 15, 4, abide in me. He's saying, stop running away. This was the problem with Hosea's wife. God told Hosea in chapter 1 of Hosea, go get a wife in Hosea, not just any wife. He said, Hosea 1, 2 through 3. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. So here you have God telling him, go take an unfaithful woman for a wife. And so he obeys. Hosea obeys because he's the living example of the problem with Israel. Okay. So he goes there. He takes this wife. He brings his new wife home. And he tells her, this is your new home. Unpack your bags and stay here. But the problem was that Hosea's wife was a runaway. And she ran away to go and live with another man who loved her. Hosea's wife was an adulterous wife, and God told Hosea, go back and get her and bring her back home. And what do you think Hosea had to do? He had to pay off the man. He had to give the man, pay him off in order for him to release the woman that the other man loved. But that was Hosea's wife. And Hosea talked about that in Hosea 3.1. Then said the Lord unto me, go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, Yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who took to other gods and loved flagons of wine. Now let me stop here. So he said to Hosea, don't just grab her by the scruff of the neck and haul her back. Love her! 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.